So we're in this series called Vertical Story, and in this series we're talking about how our life has seasons and chapters, and it makes up our story, and this is who we are. And so what I love about this video and what I love about moms is that they don't miss. They just don't miss uh, seasons. Like I said, this is a phase. Don't miss it. Because they don't miss it. They're, they're always thinking of their children. Uh, I was always teasing in first service. You know, Jess, you know, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And so we're at that phase where it's like we're finally being able to kind of go out a little bit. And so she's like, we got to go out and we're going to go on a date. And we're going to, uh, and we're totally cool with that. Just so you know, we, especially on a day like today, that sound right there is the sound of life. Somebody say amen. And we celebrate life because healthy things grow. Amen. And so that's just a sign of health. And so we got a couple of them in here hanging out with us today. So they'll probably say amen better than you do. Amen. <laughs> See, you missed your opportunity already. You just laughed. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, what I was saying is so, you know, we said, hey, we need to go on a date and we need to go out and uh, we're going to go out. And we're going to go on a date. And we're going to do this thing. And then, you know, what we find ourselves actually doing when we go out stuff for the kids. We go to Target and get stuff for the kids and we go to here and we get this for the kids because Kids are always, it's a phase, but you don't miss it because they're just always on your heart, especially a mom. Amen? Because here's the thing with a mom. Moms give their lives to their, to their children, to their kids. You know, a dad, you know, he has his part of the deal in the beginning. And then after that, you know, it is what it is. You make ice cream runs and get cheeseburgers or something, you know, that's kind of the process. But a mom immediately gives her life over to her child. It grows within her, and it, and it changes her body. It changes her life, her child. And so, yes, you know, we go through these phases, but a mom, you know, it, you don't miss it because it's a part of who you are. Amen? And so that motherhood bond, that motherhood strength is, is like no other. It's, it's incredible. And I want to say to you this morning, uh, if you've lost a child, maybe uh, you didn't make it through your full pregnancy or maybe even some time after, I want to encourage you. You know, I realize this day could be discouraging to you, but I want to give you a little bit of hope that I, that I know probably can't do it any justice, but this is what I think. Uh, I know that our goal in life is all we want to do is give our kids the best. We want them to feel the most love. At the end of the day, everything we do, every decision we make is so that they can experience the highest form of love. Is that right? We want the best school so they're the most educated. So that, and everything that we give and do for them is because we want them to experience the highest form of love. But do you know that when our children go to heaven and they're with their Savior, that is the highest form of love? And it hurts us on this side of the earth. And I'm not trying to take away from that. You should have that pain and experience. That, that's that. But I want to encourage you that as a parent, you did a great job because if they're with their savior, you know, if, especially if you've carried one, I believe scripturally, if you've carried and lost, I believe that that child is numbered and is in heaven. Amen. Experiencing the highest form of love. So I encourage you on Mother's Day, be proud of yourself that you've given your best. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. So Mother's Day, we, we encourage you, uh, we encourage you today, moms, uh, that you are great. The Bible calls you great. Uh, I thought about the first scripture or the first miracle that Jesus did, the very first miracle that you see, uh, it happened at the wedding. Uh, a lot of you know the story where uh, Jesus turned the water into wine. That was his first miracle. And the scripture says that Mary approached Jesus and they were out of wine and that really was a problem for Mary. <laughs> uh, any of you... When the wine runs out, you're having a parenting problem at that point. Anybody? I hope not, because you should all be good Christians. And so she says, 
hey, we're out of wine. And Jesus actually says like, hey, it's not my time. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And through his mother's encouragement, the first miracle is actually made. They dialogue and you could get into all this prophetic, like what it meant and all this kind of stuff. But basically the bottom line is at first he said, it's not my thing. But then even later, as the story goes on, eventually it gets to a point where she says, hey, whatever he says to do to the disciples, do it. And it's his first miracle. You could say that Jesus's first miracle or his first uh, moment like this, stepping into his calling, was strongly encouraged and nudged by his mother. Amen? And that's what you are, moms. You are a mom who your gifting is to come along and understand and know the tendencies and the timing of your kid to be able to come alongside them and encourage them into God moments, stepping into their destiny, stepping into their assignment of what God has in their life. That's, that's the power of being a mom. Amen? I realize that every day the enemy tries to get you to think that motherhood is, is boo-boos and boogers and all that stuff. But if you could wake up and understand that I'm coming alongside my kids and I am nudging them and encouraging them into their destiny, how much more powerful would our thought process be throughout the day? Amen? And so Jesus' miracle where, hey, it's, it's so much a bigger picture than maybe the mess that we see at time or, <coughs> excuse me, the food fight that we have to, oh, they didn't eat and they did all of that. It's so much bigger than that. It's preparing your relationship with your child to nudge them into their calling. I love this. Uh, there's a story about a woman called the Shunammite woman. And a lot of us know the story. It's about the boy who hits his head uh, and is raised from the dead later in the story, which we'll talk about. But what's interesting about the Shunammite woman is the scripture, the Bible calls her a great woman. But what's interesting about her life is she never performed a miracle. She didn't travel with Jesus. The scripture doesn't say that she was some type of leader in her village or anything like that. She wasn't a CEO or some brilliant blog writer or some incredible thing. The scripture says basically about her is that she was a person, if you look at her story, uh, that as the man of God, Elisha, came and went through her town, her and her husband prepared her home for the man of God. And so the scripture says that as Elisha, the man of God, the prophet would come, uh, he would, they would have meals ready for him. And it would be a place that he could come and stay and enjoy a meal and relax and, and sort of regroup as he goes to minister. And so basically, uh, the scripture says as it goes on, as, as they got to know the man of God, uh, she said, hey, I want to build on a, a room for the man of God. Or if you'll let me exaggerate it a little bit, she had an understanding that uh, she wanted to prepare a place for the presence of God for righteousness or for holiness, she wanted to make a devoted place in her home for God to move. Amen. Are you with me? And so she said, hey, uh, I'm a person who makes sure the, that, that God's business here is taken care of, whether it was making a meal or preparing a room. Basically, you could say about her life, she was a great homemaker right? She did meals and she made uh, uh, the man of God feel comfortable and she prepared a place for him. And the scripture says about her life that she was great. And what's interesting is you can read in Acts 21 that the scripture mentions that there's a guy who has four daughters and it says that they were prophetic or they spoke the words of God. They were prophetesses, however you want to put a big title on it. But you know what the scripture doesn't say about them? They spoke the word of the Lord and they did all these, but it never mentions them as great, but mentions this godly homemaker as a great woman. Isn't that awesome? There's days where you may feel like, again, you're just cleaning up messes or you're putting away toys. But God is going, look at you. 
Look at you. You're preparing a place. You're, you're being a homemaker. You're putting things together to make sure that the presence of God is here and your family is led well. Amen? So she was a homemaker who made sure that there was a place devoted to God. Amen. And, and it's the same thing in our life. And I'm not against women in the workforce. I think it's great. I think uh, you should strive to, if you feel called in that, to be a CEO and be successful and do all that. I'm all for that. But I'm saying for some who I'm talking to in this example is God put a blessing on people who know how to keep the presence of God in their home and prepared in a place in their home. And so we're going to look at that today. There's a few things we can pull from this. She made an atmosphere for God to move in her home. She was intentional, intentional about the setup in her home. And so 2 Kings 4, 18 through 26, it's kind of lengthy, but I'll read the story. Scripture says that uh, before, before we read the scripture, uh, previously, Elisha, in this traveling back and forth, he, he gives her a word that she's going to have a child. And so her and her husband, who couldn't, then have a child. And, uh, and this is where we pick up the story with this miracle child. Uh, it says in verse 18, it says, And the child grew, and now it happened one day that he went out to see his father to the reapers. And so they're out in a field harvesting. They're out working hard. It's harvest time. And he said to his father, My head, my head. And so at some point he's out playing or he's out where they're out reaping and they're busy and he incurs some type of injury. So he has this injury. So he said to the servant, so the dad says to the servant, carry him to his mother. And like a typical dad thing, like go find your mom, right? I'm working. And so he says, you know, go find your mom. And they had taken him and they brought him to his mother and he sat on her knees until noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And then she called to her husband and said, please send me one young man and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and the brought the servant and told the servant, drive, go forward, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, it is well. Incredible story that we see here, and it's very relatable to all of our places in life. She's a woman who gets a dream. She has a word from God, and she sees a miracle. She has this child, and she's so grateful for where she's at in this place in her life. And because of her gratefulness, and because of she knows everything comes from God, everything comes from uh, the man of God or the presence of God or the you know what God's structures and principles. She was able to say, hey, I've prepared a place for God in my home. My home is a godly home. And when crisis hits my life, my natural reaction can be, hey, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to. She takes the crisis and she goes and puts it in the presence of God. Somebody say amen. The place that she prepared, that's holy. And she puts it in there and she in her heart is able to say, hey, along the way, it is well. It is well. I need to go to the man of God. I know that God's going to use the man of God. And I'm not here to put a man of God on the pedestal. What I'm actually talking about saying is she understood that she had to pursue the presence of God and a move of God and God being an active part of her life. And so she puts him there and she says, hey, you know, let's put things together. I'm going. And she along the way is able to say it is well. And what I thought was interesting here is people asked her, 
and this isn't in my few points, but people asked her, hey, why are you going? Why are you going? It's not the new day. It's not the Sabbath. It's what, what, what are you doing going down there now? And there's sometimes in your life when you're going to build a place for God in your home, you're going to have to do some things untraditionally. Amen. It might require you to worship a little more, or fast a little more, or trust God in an area a little bit more than your normal tradition. But then that's how God moves. Amen. So number one, four things I brought with you about what we can see from the Shunammite woman. The first thing is, number one, God gives women great discernment. He gives you great discernment and you have to trust that. Do you know that that is a spiritual gift that God puts inside women? Your ability to be able to discern situations is greater than what a man can do. There's a whole bunch of men in here like, what? We'll see about that. Well, you're already messing up your discernment by questioning that. So, but that's why, the, that's why you should listen to your wife more is because. That's a good spot, guys. Amen. Like, yeah, mother said, I should. That's right. Amen. <laughs> but, but God, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you. And here's why I'm encouraging you. God gave you great discernment. It's a gift that women have is this ability to discern. But one trap that I see is a lot of women get really insecure. And I'm not here to, you know, pick on you on Mother's Day. But I see a trap that the enemy plays really well is he, you know, he, he loves to tell you, that your discernment is inaccurate or that you're, you know, you don't have the right way or so. So you'll have this discernment rise up and you'll think to yourself, yeah, you know, I'm really feeling God's nudging me and he's leading me this and you're using your discernment. But then you think, oh man, so-and-so doesn't do it that way. And you compare yourself to how somebody else does it. Or you turn on the view and you listen to all those crazies talk about how they think you should do it. Or you go on some blog and you listen to how all they say that you should do it. But really what you should do is you should take your discernment and you should line it up with the word of God and you should go. And that's what the Shunammite woman did. She said, hey, here's how I'm discerning this situation. And I know that I've already prepared a place for him in the presence of God. So he's going to be okay. I just need to get to the man of God in the presence of God. And I'm going to use my discernment and I'm going to go forward. And I know everything's going to be well. She said it is well. But you notice what she didn't do. She didn't listen to others along the way. If you read the story in great length, I cut out a bunch, but if you learn about her journey on the way there, it says that she didn't stop and listen to others. And then when she got to the man of God, he said, on your way back, don't stop and listen to others. Well, doesn't the Bible say that we should listen to wise counsel and in a multitude of, yes, at times, absolutely. But what you shouldn't listen to is critics and naysayers and just, you know, loud noisemakers. Amen. So she got her discernment and she went on her way. Do you notice that dad couldn't see the crisis? Dad couldn't see the crisis. You know, dad was like, oh, he got hurt. You know, go put some dirt on it. You know, go home. Quit being a little girl about it. You know, he couldn't discern the crisis. So he said, go to your mom. But when he got to mom, she could discern the crisis. And I'm telling some of you moms here today, in this world that we live in, in this culture that we live in, we need your godly discernment to discern some of the crisis that's going on in our world. Amen? And so we need you to be on high discernment. We need you to be uh, in a place where you're near the presence of God because that discernment is going to save your kids. It's going to save from, from painful and hurtful situations. It's going to save uh, from they were maybe going this course. And you said, no, no, I'm discerning something here. And you line it up with the word and you, and, you, and you find what God says about it. And then you encourage them and speak life to them because not everybody is going to be able to discern like you do. Amen. So we can't compare, you know, people say, oh, there they are. You know, the world won't discern crisis like we are. 
Boy, look at them again. They're dragging their kids to church. There they go on another Sunday. Oh, look at them. They serve their church. Why? They got young kids. Why are they wasting their time going to church and serving at church? Don't you know? You should stay home. You have young kids. You're tired. You should just take a break. No. I discern that there's crisis in culture. I discern that something's going. I need to be at the place and presence of God as much as I can. Amen. And so she used her discernment and she went forward. Number two, the other thing I thought was she didn't waste her time sharing her crisis, especially with those who aren't concerned or involved. Another huge mistake that I see our culture make often is crisis hits your life. We got a situation where, where, where maybe the dream has died on our lap or the situation has died on our lap and you take that thing and you go put it in the presence of God. Maybe you even say, okay, God, I'm putting it here. But instead of running to the word or instead of running to the man of God, what we then do is we pick up our phone and we tell somebody all about it. And then we pick up our phone again. We tell somebody all about it. Then we go on Facebook and we make this big negative post all about it. And we just came out of a series called Stay Positive, and, and we talked about the power of like staying positive and being encouraging. I'm telling you what was great about her is she was like, hey, this thing is happening, but I'm not going to share my mess. I'm not going to go be dramaful about it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to line myself up with the word of God, and I'm going to go forward with what he's called me to do. Amen? She didn't waste her time in crisis. I make fun of Jess all the time, uh, and I'm going to make fun of women because it's Mother's Day today, and that's what you should do on Mother's Day. Amen? <laughs> And, uh, but it's so funny and I'm exaggerating barely, but, uh, literally like chicks, they just love to do this. Uh, they got to ask each other about everything. Right. And so literally, uh, you know, it's like, you know, Jess is going to bed. She's like texting her friends, like texting a whole group message. All these people like texting people. What time do you think I should get up tomorrow? <laughs> you know, like, what do you think I should wear? What kind of smoothie should I have? Whatever. And then the worst part for me is I get dragged into this. You know, she's like, hey, what do you think about this? And then I'm like a good husband and I give her my honest answer. I just tell, well, this is what I think. Oh, okay. Well, that's not what so-and-so thinks. Well, why'd you ask me anyway? You know, like, and so, man, girls, they, they just love talking to everybody about it. And that's fine. I'm not coming against that at all. But if all we do is take our crisis or we take our situation and all we do is blow hot air about it, and we don't get into the word and we don't say, hey, God, I've prepared a place and I'm trusting you and I'm going forward to the presence of God. Then, then it can become a situation. Amen. And so we have to be people, you know, don't waste your time with people who can't help. You know, don't add to the situation. And uh, number three, the assignment from God needs no slowdown. So the scripture says that she said, uh, whatever you do, do not slacken the pace. Don't slow this thing up. I need to be about getting to God. I need to be about getting to my answer. I need to be about getting to what God has for me, for my family and for my kid and for uh, my, my atmosphere. And so she says, don't slacken the pace. And a problem that I see too so often is that we let so many things into our life that do slacken the pace. We say, God has called us to this and I want to raise my family this way. And these are the values we have and we want to do this. But then we allow so many things that come in and get us busy and distracted and it slackens the pace of what God has for us. Amen. And so we say, oh, we, we want to be at church and we want to be a praying family and we want to be a serving family and a giving family and a forgiving family and a compassionate family. And, and all of these things are our values. We want to do these things. Well, then don't let anything slack you. Slacken the pace on those things. Amen. I'll close with this. So we're going all the way, she's saying. And I'm sure for her, you know, I, I don't know much about the travel culture uh, of its time, but I can just imagine uh, that the pace of that, you have to imagine 
she's literally laid her dead son down. And now she has to travel, the scripture says, a distance. Uh, you see that the man of God, Elisha, says that he saw her from afar. And so you have to imagine if she's saying don't, it was probably a rough ride along the way, right? Probably going as fast as you can. Obviously, we know the terrain, you know, there's no roads, there's no pavement. There's, she's just dusty trail and just going after and people looking at her like, what is that crazy doing? What is that? And I'm sure along the way, she's telling herself, it is well, it is well. But how many of you know that trip probably felt like forever? And how many of you along the way, God's called you to something, you're just trying to get it to the presence of God, but it's been a rough road. It's like, ah, oh, and it's felt like eternity. I want to encourage you. Just remind yourself, it is well. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to the, God hasn't taken me this far to leave me here. It is well. I'm going to get to the presence of God. Amen. So my last point is this. This is kind of a fun one. She was able to, along the way, continue to say it is well. It is well. It is well. Even though we know it probably wasn't. You say, well, she was just lying about reality. No, the scripture says life and death is in the power of your tongue. It shows she was speaking life over her situation. And then we can see in this story that the prophet Elijah, he goes, he meets her. And essentially without, you know, getting into length, he goes there, he goes into the bedroom. Uh, he lays his staff and he lays on him and he raises the boy from the dead. He brings the dream back, if you will because that's what the presence of God does when we prepare a place for God in our homes, amen? He can bring back things that once were dead. So point four, she could keep on because she knows she already made a bed of faith. In your life, when you think about Legos and princesses, you know, whatever your bed that you make, the kid's bed, the bathtub cleanup, all the things that you get to do. You don't have to do them. We get to do them because this is a phase and we're not going to miss it. Amen. So all of these things, you're making a bed of faith in your kid's home. I mean, like I get it. There's crazy days. You know, I mean, literally yesterday, this is my day. I didn't get to stay in first service for time, but <laughs> so my daughter's three and a half and she's potty trained except for when we play outside because you're so excited. And I'm going to just say too much too, but you know, the Disney show, uh, there's like a commercial on the Disney channel says, don't wait to go. And it's this little cartoon about how you shouldn't wait to go. And uh, anyway, it's, it's about going potty or whatever. Anyway, so she does great. She realizes I got to go, but it's kind of too late. You know what I mean? She's like, and of course she's three and a half. So I'm talking, we have tutus on and like, all these skirts and things, you know, I'm literally considering like, is there any way I could like hold her upside down to get her to pee without taking all this stuff off? <laughs> anyway, so she can do pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry if that offends you. I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so she says, I gotta go. And then she always tells me, you know, don't wait to go like on her way in from the show. And she goes in and, and I'm working in the garage. And then, and then she says, dad ass like and I'm like that's usually bad news that means she couldn't get you know everything taken apart in time and um so it's so funny so I come into the bathroom I'm like what's the matter do you need help and she was like I peed on the rug <laughs> she was all peed on the rug and then this is her new thing she says are you mad daddy <laughs> like, but in the sweetest way 
Like, where are we at? Are you mad? Not mad? What are we? <laughs> anyway, I said all that to say, I kept in mind. I wasn't mad. Like, whatever is laughable, like you did. So, I kept in mind. I'm building, whether it's washing a rug or whatever it is, we're making a bed of faith. We're preparing a bed of faith, just like the Shunammite woman who God called great, just like she added on a room and made a place, a bed of faith for God to move. Every time, like I said, you pick up a Lego or you wash a rug or whatever you do, you just remind yourself, you're preparing a place, a bed of faith, a room of faith for God to move. That way, if anything ever happens, you're able to go along the way saying, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well. I know that when I get to God, he's gonna make this okay. Amen? Isaiah 26, three says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you. So what the scripture is saying is you will be in peace if you can keep your mind set on the things of God because that builds trust in you. So whenever anything happens, you can go along the way in peace saying, it is well, it is well. I know that I've prepared a place. So as your kids grow, as situations come, as all these things happen, as all this stuff, you can, I've prepared a place in them. I've prepared a bed of faith. I've prepared something in them. And you moms know more than ever when you have a newborn and dad says, hey, you know what? I got this. Won't you give me the little one and you go take a shower or you go take a nap? You know, that bed, that bed of sleep that you're about to get into. Oh man, that's never felt so good, right? Then when you have a newborn, it's like, oh, I'm going to get a half an hour. I mean, like I get a half an hour sleep on the way home from work, you know, and they're so happy about. <laughs> so they get in that bed and oh, this bed of peace because I've been. That's what God wants to prepare in your life and in your heart and in your mind. A bed of peace. You've prepared a place for your kids that no matter what happens, you say, oh, no, no, I've built a place of faith that my kids can find peace and comfort and we remain steadfast trusting the Lord. Amen.